want to read several scriptures this morning uh, so you don't have to stand. Brother Rafe did a wonderful job Wednesday night preaching, and um, we just thank the Lord for all that God is doing. Um, I'm going to be in Numbers chapter 14, and I'm going to be in Joshua 14, and I'm going to read a scripture out of the book of Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. If you're taking notes, I'll just read part of this. And it says, The slothful or the lazy man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. So basically is what he said is you killed, but you didn't cook. <clears throat> you killed, but you didn't cook. And that's how many of us live our Christian lives. We only do a portion of it. But we don't take possession of our full inheritance. A lot of us are good at killing, but we're not good at, at, at cooking. And so if you don't cook it, then you're not going to eat it. Did you know you can have the lamb in your house, but not eat of the lamb? <laughs> you can have the lamb in your house, but not eat of the lamb. It says whenever they took the, and sacrificed the lamb, the lamb could be in their house. They could sacrifice the lamb, but not partake of the lamb. The lamb never got in them. You can have the lamb in your house and the lamb not be in you. And you can miss out. Amen. So you can go hunting and you can kill and you can post it on Facebook of what you killed. But if, but if you're not partaking of the fullness of Christ, then what good have you done? And, and, so, and I'm just saying that, that many of us live our lives in that manner. You hunters like that, don't you? I kill, but I don't cook. Amen. That means you got to get somebody else to cook because I don't know how to cook it. Amen. But isn't that the way the body works? The body's beautiful like that. So you, you kill it, you clean it, you take it to somebody else, or maybe somebody else will help you clean it. Amen? But that's the importance of having other people in your life. Amen? And so I, I want to share with you um, a quick story. Um, but before I get to what I'm going to read, and uh, this is written by another pastor, a few things I, I've gleaned from this message, uh, but this has just been in my spirit for about a month now with our, with our series from start to finish, and um, I've titled this message this morning, We Will Finish What Others Feared to Start. We will finish what others feared to start. But I want to read this to you. I said there was a homeless man in Bolivia who didn't know he had received $6 million in inheritance. When the police came to bring him the news of his inheritance, he ran from them, thinking that they were going to arrest him for some wrong he had done. Today, many believers are like that homeless man. They are running from God, thinking he is after them to punish them. As a result, they are not possessing their inheritance that's promised to them. And so my, if, if we have a perspective that God is coming to punish us, then we will never step in and receive the fullness of His grace and His mercy and His goodness. We'll never scratch the surface of the reality of all that God has for our lives. And so many of us run from that, amen? And we're going to look at this story and we're going to identify it with the Scriptures today, amen? The book of Numbers chapter 14 um, has always just really, really intrigued me it has saddened me <clears throat> uh, on, on many aspects. Um, let me back up. Numbers 13. I'm sorry. Numbers 13. I had y'all confused. Numbers 13, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben. And he goes on to name 12 leaders. 12 leaders, amen? Somebody say 12 leaders. Twelve elders, twelve, twelve elders, amen? And so Moses called them and sent them and said, I want you to go spy out the land. 
And he said, these are leaders, so they are trusted. They are overseers of others that are underneath them. Well, God is entrusting them, amen? So here's, I'm just going to read a lot. Y'all bear with me, okay? I'm going to jump over to verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up the way southward and go up into the mountain. I think the Holy Ghost spoke to us about this mountain this morning. <laughs> and he spoke to us about a valley this morning. We're going to discuss both. Amen. He said, Go up into the mountain. Somebody say mountain. mountain. Amen. And see the land, what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. Amen. Verse 20. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. What is he saying? There's fruit in the land. There is fruit in the land. God is saying this. Amen? God is saying this. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as the men of Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, I don't know these Y'all just bear with me. Shishai and Talmai, the children of Anak. Y'all remember verse 22. I'm going to read that again. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron. Somebody say Hebron. I'm going to make y'all say this word with me. Ahiman. Shishai and Talmai. Does that sound right? I think we just spoke Hebrew, didn't we? All right. The children of who? Anak. Were now... Hebron was built where Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Amen. Verse 23. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bear it between upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. That sounds like good fruit to me. The place was called the brook Eshcol. Because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from there. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. What did they do? He showed them the fruit of the land. He said, here's proof that the land is fruitful, amen? Verse 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. Who was the children of Anak? Back in verse 22, if you're taking notes. Ahiman, Shishai, and Telmai. That is the three. Amen. That is them. The children of Anak. Verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once, and we possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we, gave, we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. And there we saw what? The giants. The sons of who? Anak. Who are them sons? Back up in verse 22. Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai. That's the three. 
They kept focusing on these three giants, didn't they? Over and over and over. But what did Caleb do? He tried to steal everybody's voice and say, but hold on. Surely we can go up and take that mountain. He saw the same giants that everybody did. But there was something different in Caleb. Verse 33, and there we saw the sons of Anak which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. There's a lot of folks in church that function like a grasshopper. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 1, and all, somebody say all. all. The congregation lifted up their voice and cried unto the people and wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and against the whole congregation. Can I tell you, all it takes is one bad apple to spoil the whole congregation. All it takes is one murmur and mouth to turn everybody astray. Amen. I'm telling you that a lot of time we say, well, we're going with the majority. Well, the majority here was wrong. And so we have to be careful who we listen to. And so I, I just had this overwhelming desire in me a minute ago when they were worshiping. Is I just felt the Lord, not because I'm preaching, but listen to me. Never take for granted the word of the Lord that God gives you. Because God said in this house that this church was a church that would give clear direction. Just like when the prophet put his hands on the man and he said, open that window towards the east and shoot the arrow. God said that, and I believe what Brother Rafe said, if this is the place that God has called you to be, then God will give you clear direction. Amen. So be careful who you listen to. Be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful outside of the church who you listen to. Amen. So because of the ten, and because they felt like grasshoppers and they saw the giants, now they are turning the, all the children. It said all. That tells me everybody. Everybody's heart turned and they begin to speak against their pastor because there were 10 people full of fear. There's a lot of people running in fear right now. Who are you going to listen to? There's a lot of people running in fear. Are we going to be like the man that had a $6 million inheritance coming to him but because I seen the law coming, I ran? See, he was afraid. And the whole time he was wanting to bring a blessing to him. Amen? I smell smoke. <laughs> He said, and the, the people murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Verse 7 said, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. It's a good land, right? I'm just going to jump here just a minute. Amen. Verse 9 says, Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Can I tell you, they had the right man pouring into their life. They said, I know that you see giants, but I see fruit. I know you're full of fear, but I see fruit. And are we going to let fear overrule the fruit that God is showing us? Amen. Verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone him with stones. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he told them the truth. It's just like the hour we live in now. Anybody tells us the truth, amen, because the world is running in fear and saying, yes, I see this, but this, and somebody stands up and is right with God, then we want to kill them. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will we provoke the Lord? How long will it err? They believe me for all the signs which I have shown among them. I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them. <laughs> I will disinherit them. Now they're wanting to get the inheritance. God said, I'm sending you to a land that God has already given you. This is your inheritance. It's yours. Just go smite out. He said, God's already gave it to you. It is yours. So what is he saying to these people? I'm fixing to pull your inheritance away. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want my inheritance to be pulled away from me. 
Amen. You talk about a sad day. He said, I will disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for they brought us up, this people in thy might, from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, art, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day in a pillar of cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Verse 16, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he had sworn to them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. He's going to kill them. Verse 17, And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children in the third and the fourth generations. Jump over to verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 24 of chapter 14. Y'all still with me? I'm just trying to read the scripture to get where we're going. Let me just read verse 22. Y'all, I can't. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. How many times have we seen the miracle of God? How many times have we seen God move and save people? Miracles are all around us, but yet we turn a deaf ear to the, to the voice of God. It grieves Him. And if you're here today, there's miracles all around you. And if you're running from God, then God is grieved. God's not mad with you. He's not angry, but He is grieved. His heart is broken because you've seen miracles before you, and He did that on purpose. It's just like the disciples getting in the boat after Jesus fed 5,000 people. And he said, how easily you forgot the breaking of the bread and the feeding of the 5,000. How easily you forgot when a storm blows up. He said, have you forgotten you just walked down that mountain and you got in the boat and now a little storm comes and you easily forget the miracle that I just fed 5,000 people and I used your hands to feed them with? How easily do we forget the miracles of God and the grace of God? How easily do we do that? Verse 23, surely they have, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Listen to that. How many of you want to die and go to hell because you kept turning your ear away from the voice of God? Why would God do what he does in front of your face? The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. I'm being serious that my heart is heavy this morning. It's the kindness of the Lord. Why would he do things? Why would he allow us to be apart and see these things over and over, week after week after week, and yet turn a dull, dull ear and deaf ear to the voice of God? He said, fine, they've seen the miracles. They've seen my glory. They've seen my presence. They know what I've done, but yet they will not listen to me. And he said, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. He said, you're not going to inherit the promise that I sent you to spy. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Somebody say, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Can I tell you, that's a generational blessing, not a generational curse. <laughs> the others were cursed from generations down, but Caleb, because he followed with a different heart, and a different spirit. He said, now him, he will take possession. You remember back in chapter 13, verse 22, you remember the three giants, but you remember Caleb said, give me that mountain. He said, I, I'm not afraid. He said, I won't there. Verse 26, and the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? How much more patience does God have? God told me in the beginning of this series, he said, some people that don't start before 2021, he said, it'll be too late. But we still have a few more days left. We still have a few more days left. Amen. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Amen. They're not talking. They're talking against Moses. Amen. Moses made a promise to Caleb, and he said, you will take that mountain. Why did he say you'll take that mountain? Because he saw his heart. Now turn with me to Joshua chapter 
13, I want to read one scripture here. 13 verse 1. It says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. <laughs> and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. <laughs> you think you may have seen something, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. Because there's one that's seven years younger. His name is Caleb. Amen. I know I'm preaching your word on our brother Mike. <laughs> Amen. This, I think this is brother Mike's favorite. Amen. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to, es to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. There was something different in this man. Amen. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Amen. He wasn't swayed by the other ten. He wasn't swayed. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. <laughs> now he had disinherited some, but he made a promise. Forty years prior, Caleb is 85 years old right here. Listen, I'm fix, we're fixing to read something. He's 85 years old. Somebody needs to know, I don't care how old you are, you're not too old to start. You're not too old to start. Amen? You're not too old to start. Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and 5 years. 45 years he waited on this promise. I don't know how many valley spaces there was, Brother David, but I know back in chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, he said he sent them to spy out a mountain. I said he sent them to spy out a mountain, amen? But don't you know they didn't go take possession of that mountain right then? For 45 years, don't you know there were some times in Caleb's life that there had to be some valleys? But the Lord said, would I not be with you? Can I tell you, he kept Caleb for 45 years until he gave him the mountain. Woo! But he gave him the mountain. Why did he give it to him? Because Caleb was bold enough to stand on the promises of God and say, give me my mountain that was said it would be mine. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Verse 10, and now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and he said these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word. Somebody has been given a word. You just need to hold on to it. <laughs> I said, you've just been given a word, and you just need to hold on to it, Sister Megan and Troy. Hold on to it. God's not forgotten. I know it seems dark right now. He's not even forsaken. Amen. Listen. He said, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He was 85. <laughs> he was 85. When did the promise come to him? When he was 40. <laughs> 45 years he waited to get this mountain. <laughs> 45 years he waited to get this mountain. Is that off, brother? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, we shut it off. Thank you. Verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My God. You mean no strength had left him? Now he's 45 years older, but he's just as strong as he was when he was 40. So you can't tell me, well, I'm just too old. Jeremiah said, well, I'm just too young. You can't use that excuse. Because God will strengthen you supernaturally like the children of Israel. Their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't ever get any holes in it. Amen. And God rained down manna from heaven. Amen. I'm talking about a supernatural God. Forty-five years later, you mean he has the same strength? That's what the Word says. I choose to believe it. He said, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. 
He said, I'm ready. He said, give me my mountain. You better give me my promise. You stupid devil, you've taken too much from me. Amen. I'm getting it back today. Somebody say, I'm taking my mountain today. Amen. I'm taking my mountain today. Amen. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I better read. To go out and to come in. What is he ready for? War. Amen. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. <laughs> he didn't ask for it, did he? What did he say? He said, give me this mountain. Why? Because it's mine. God made a promise to me 40, 45 years ago. It's mine. He said, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. <laughs> he said, I'm going to take them on right by myself, Sister Jesse. I'm not afraid. I don't need nobody else. I don't need 10 murmurs and complainers going up with me. I'm willing to wait 45 years because I'm going to get my mountain. Amen. I can tell you, he can do a whole lot more by himself without a bunch of murmurs and complainers. Amen. I'm telling you, the church of God will work a whole lot better if the 10 murmurs and complainers will get out of the way. All it takes is one bad apple to spoil everything. But I'm telling you, one man that will follow God with a different heart and a different spirit, amen, will bring down some giants and take back ground and say, give me that mountain. Why? You're going to walk up in here in pride? No, it ain't pride. It's a promise that my God gave me. You wasn't there when God spoke this to me. Did I not say at the beginning, not everybody's going to see your star, but everybody's going to watch you finish. Everybody's going to know when I take my mountain. You wasn't there when everybody else betrayed. The congregation died, and God pulled back the inheritance. But there was a promise of inheritance on the inside of me, and I kept it for 45 years, and now I've showed up. So that that was promised to me, I'm here again. It's mine, devil. Hallelujah. I'm here. He wasn't prideful. He just had a promise. Amen. I said he had a promise. Hallelujah. Hold on to your promises. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Where did God, where did Moses send them to spy out? Hebron. Where were the three giants living? Hebron. Verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. <laughs> what did it become? The inheritance. What happened to the other ten? They disinherited. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not only did they get disinherited, but they died. Amen. Can I tell you, you ever known somebody that had an inheritance coming their way and somebody took it from them? <laughs> Whew, what kind of stuff did that stir up? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. There was some hurt feelings, wasn't there? There was probably some long nights. Amen. When your inheritance gets pulled away, but oh, aren't you thankful that the inheritance of God <laughs> the inheritance of God. Amen. I'm getting back my promise. Hallelujah. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Why did it come to him? Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron became Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Now one more, I gotta, y'all, I'm sorry. Turn with me very quickly. One chapter over Joshua chapter 15. I want to read verse 13 and 14. And unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. Listen to this. And Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. <laughs> Who did Caleb drive out? The three giants. <laughs> the sons of Anak. The very ones. <laughs> Somebody say them with me. <laughs> Amen. I had y'all say them with me. The Caleb drove from thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahimon, and Telmai. The children of Anak, the three giants that all 12 saw, and now it takes one to drive them all out. I said, Isha. 
I said 10, lost an inheritance. But now I just need one with a different spirit. I'm talking to somebody in this house today. Church, we're living in an hour where there's a lot of people that's running in fear. Oh, but I've got some fruit in my life. I see some fruit in front of me today. I'm telling you all it takes is one with a right spirit. Don't worry about what the 10 are doing. My God, they're running in fear. But oh, there's fruit in the land. as a promise to be possessed and an inheritance to hold on to. Show up and give me my mountain, God. Hallelujah. Give me my mountain. He said, Caleb, I don't know if he had any help. I don't think so. He said he was ready for war. And so he showed up and drove them three giants out of the land. They couldn't do anything. Amen. Caleb right by himself. Why? Because he was, had the spirit of God. Amen. Encouraging him. Amen. The first thing I want to tell you this morning, I said I titled this message, We Will Finish What Others Feared to Start. I said we will finish. There's a remnant in the last hour. Amen, that we will finish what others feared to start. Let me tell you, very few are willing to walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I said very few are willing to walk in the cost that it takes to go where God is asking us to go in this hour. Very few is willing to go lay hands on the sick. Very few are willing to go where the demon-possessed are. Very few are willing to go to the psych wards. I said very few are, dealing to, are, are willing to deal with those that are addicted, those that have been bound, those that have been outcast because it don't bring any benefit financially a lot of times. It don't bring any benefit in other ways. And so we say, well, then what benefit are they going to do in my life? What benefit are they going to do in the church? Well, I can tell you the benefit is I believe that that is the last hour outpouring of the Holy Ghost of God because everybody that he's already invited begin to make a lot of excuses. And he said, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. Amen. There's people that are sitting in jail sales that have been given a promise that's been prophesied over their life there's apostles, pastors, teachers and evangelists sitting in places that are bound right now. Some of them are sitting at home contemplating suicide. Who's going to rise up with a new spirit, with a different spirit on the inside of them and show up and say, devil, I'm taking back ground. Give me my mountain. Hallelujah. Give me back my mountain. Church, we got to start taking back what's been promised to us. There's too many people. Amen. We choose fear over fruit so many times. I said we choose fear over fruit so many times. Can I tell you that fear is a spirit of the devil? Fear is a spirit. For the Bible says in the New Testament, for I've not given you a spirit of fear. We have to know that fear is a spirit and it is a demonic spirit. I'm not talking about the fear of God being the beginning of wisdom. I'm talking about a fear that you don't come out of your house. I'm talking about a fear that you don't get out of bed. I'm talking about a fear that you don't go lay hands on somebody. I'm talking about a fear that is wicked. It is evil and demonic. For God said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a love and of a sound mind. I can tell you one of the greatest attacks of hell is against that mind and that's why God said I've given you a sound mind hallelujah ten ran in fear why because they saw giants the giants were real the giants were real they weren't fake amen they're not fake but let me tell you the giant you didn't deal with then is <laughs> the giant that you didn't deal with then is still going to be can I tell you you can walk in the promises of God and still have to bring the giants down <laughs> because what's been promised to you is promised to you. No matter what you face, amen, the giants were still there, but the giant you don't deal with yesterday will be the giant that you'll have to bring down today. And the problem is whenever we don't take possession of our inheritance, then it leaves a lot of room for the devil to get right in. What does the devil do? He makes that giant a lot bigger. <laughs> he makes him a lot bigger. I can tell you the devil starts making this giant something that he's really not. Not only does he make the giant something that he's not, but he makes us something that we're not. Well, we feel like grasshoppers. <laughs> How many come to church with a grasshopper mentality? How many of us come to church with a grasshopper mentality? Amen. And that's what we do, and that's the way that we live for the Lord. It's like we're a bunch of grasshoppers just trying to find our way around. And so the mentality, not only does the enemy make our giant bigger, but he makes us, the church, a lot smaller. 
I believe God's tired of it. Amen. Amen. There's a mountain to be taken back. And he said, I've not, have I given you a promise? Yes. Then take hold of the promise. The Bible says in the book of Numbers 13 and 14, it said that he sent them, I believe on purpose, at the time of fruit to be harvested so that they could have proof that it is a fruitful land. They spoke it out of their mouth. Yeah, it is a fruitful land. Yes, it is a land that flows with milk and honey. Look, look, there was so much fruit that it took two people to carry it. Not even one person could carry it. There was so much fruit. How many times has God brought us into a place of fruitfulness, but yet we let fear override the fruit? We do that all the time. We see fruit everywhere, but yet fear begins to dominate, and we begin to operate out of fear instead of the fruit. I can tell you that God is not finished. God is not finished. We cannot choose fear over fruit because there's proof that we're in the will of God. I don't care what the presidency does. I know what I'm believing for and still holding on to. It's not over till God said it's over. Amen. Say what you want to say. Amen. Amen. But I serve a miracle working God. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not choosing to give in and give up yet. Amen. I serve a God that can turn anything around. He turned my life around. He turned yours around. He can turn this around. Amen. I don't know what he's going to do, but let me tell you, whichever way it goes, there's still, there's still possessions to take hold of. Amen. There's still an inheritance that I'm going to take. I've been given a promise that I would see revival come. I've been given a promise in the book of Joel that in the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, let me tell you, he's going to pour his spirit out if Trump's in office or Biden's in office. Whichever way, I can promise you the president is not greater than the power of the Holy Ghost of God. And so let me tell you, you may feel old and wore out, but just like God told Joshua, in chapter 13 I know you're old and stricken in years but boy you better get up you better get a Caleb by your side cause there's land to take there's a mountain to possess there's an inheritance that we gotta get hallelujah somebody needs to know God's not done with you yet God's not done with your family yet God is not finished amen God is not finished Here's the thing, God is looking for people that will be faithful. I said, God is looking for people that will be faithful. Amen. I heard this in my spirit this week. He's 85 years old. Somebody needs to know it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. How many of you say, man, I've just blew it before. I didn't start when God told me to start. I just blew it. I have just blown it over and over and over. I've just blown it. Can you be okay that we have all just blown it from time to time? I wonder about 45 years, I wonder if Caleb's heart was perfect. Don't you know them years of wandering in the wilderness? Don't you know his frustrations in his life? Don't you know what had to be in him at times? If they'd have only listened. If they'd have only listened, God's gave us a promise. We had the fruit in our hand. You know, I bet there was time and time again, he didn't even know the New Testament, but I bet he knew 70 times 7. <laughs> I bet he had to forgive a lot. <laughs> I bet he was like, these knuckleheads, if they'd have only listened. See, God made a promise to Joshua and Caleb. He said, everybody else is going to die here in this wilderness. You're going to die. But these two men, you're going in. You're going to go in. And so imagine all them years, knowing that they were going in 45 years later. How many of us waited 45 years on a promise? Have you? God said the other night through Sister Dana, when Brother Rafe was preaching, 19 years. Dana waited 19 years for shame. 19. There was a promise. That day Shane ended up at the tent. He said, give me my mouth. Give me my mountain. God made a promise. Give me my mountain. Four years. Four years you've waited. Four years. It's a promise. Forty-five years. Forty-five years. I know there's a mountain. He talked about a mountain in Numbers 13. He said, go look and spy out that mountain. Go spy out that land, Hebron. He said, go spy it out. Come back and tell me what's there. Whew. I wonder how many times that Caleb's heart longed when he laid his head down on his pillow. He longed to eat that fruit. 
because he saw it. He held it. He knew. I bet they ate it. The pomegranates. <laughs> Don't you know that they ate of them fruit, brother, when they was walking back? They didn't just hold it. No, they had to taste it. What did he say? He said, he said, what's in that land? You think they probably drank the milk and the honey? <laughs> they had to have. Amen. How do you know? You think they just seen all that without tasting? Oh, they said it is a good land. How'd they know it was good? Taste and see that it's good. Amen. 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 They tried it out. Amen. I can tell you this. I'm not going to go take something that I'm not going to try out. You're going to buy, you, you, you're going to buy a car before you drive it? No, you're going to try that thing out, aren't you? Amen. I'm not going to buy that car. I'm going to drive it first. I'm going to see what it sounds like, make sure that thing cranks up. I'm going to make sure the wheels are right. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to get out and I'm going to look underneath it. I'm going to pop the hood. I'm going to look and see if there's oil underneath there. Amen. I guarantee you they tried that land out. They knew. They knew what the fruit tasted like. Oh, they knew what them pomegranates were. Amen. They, they knew. They said it is a good land. It's a good land. Surely we can take it. Surely we can get it. Amen. And so Caleb, imagine 45 years of faithfulness. Listen to this. While others saw obstacles, Caleb saw possibilities. While others saw obstacles, Caleb saw possibility. He said, surely we can overtake that. Can I tell you that in this world you will have trouble? John 16, 33 says that. In this world you will have troubles and tribulations. He said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. 40 years, 45 years of faithfulness. Let me ask you, how long can you be faithful? How long can I be faithful? Can I be faithful for four minutes? Can I be faithful for 45 minutes? Can I be faithful for four years? What about 45 years? Waiting on the promises of God. Waiting on the promises of God. Amen. I want to read something to you. I can't take credit for this, but it is very good to, I think, good enough that I need to share it. If you're taking notes, I would surely write this down. Your inheritance has to be in you before you can be in it. Your inheritance has to be in you before you can be in it. Here's some things that Caleb said. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. See, his inheritance was already in him. Before he came into it. The second thing Caleb said. Surely the land where your foot has trodden. Shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb knew that he was fighting. Not fighting for new land. He was simply possessing what was already his. Listen we got to quit fighting for new things. And take possession of what's already been given to us. The Lord has kept me alive. Why? For this purpose right now. Can I tell you, you weren't born at any other time but right now to be a part of what God is doing right now. Amen. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, he held on to the word that Moses gave him. Amen. Caleb wholly believed God's word through Moses that they would claim their inheritance. That's when we stopped growing old. He wholly believed God's promise. He wholly kept it in his heart. And that's why I said a while ago, you have to believe everything that comes from this pulpit. Amen. God has spoken to whoever gets here to give clear direction to your life. And can I tell you, there is seed being released from this pulpit. Amen. There is seed being released for this, from this pulpit. There are promises that are being released from this pulpit. Amen. Listen, another thing, his inheritance was in him. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out and coming in. And then he said, now give me this mountain. Your inheritance has to be in you before you can be in it. Amen. I'm going to say that one more time. Your inheritance has to be in you before you can be in it. You see, a lot of times we want a lot of things from God, but are we willing to give him everything? Are we truly willing to give him everything? You see, we met with some people today, and it was like you have to give everything, not just the good things to God, but you even have to leave results up to God. Because sometimes we don't get the results that we want. And when we don't get the results that we want, did Caleb get the results that he wanted in the beginning? No. For 45 years, he had to wait to get what God promised. 
45 years he had to wait to get what God promised. But there was still a promise in his hand. And he held on to that promise. Guess what he didn't do? Well, that promise isn't no good because I didn't get my way to begin with. <laughs> he didn't throw his sucker in the dirt. There was a promise. There was seed that was sown into his life. How many times have we sown seed but not seen the fruit come up immediately? Brother Chad, does, does the cotton fields and the peanuts grow up immediately? You put that seed in the ground by faith, don't you, brother? You drive that tractor, you plant the seed, and you do your part. You fertilize it, you take care of it. Now, it's God's responsibility to cause the seed to grow. Amen. But when the seed grows, whose responsibility is it to go get the harvest? It's yours again now, right? Plant the seed and go get the harvest is our responsibility. But what God does with the fruit of that, it's up to him and his timing. Amen. But I guarantee you what he puts in the ground, he knows how many days it is, and that seed's going to start coming up. Amen. I'm looking. Amen, I'm looking. Don't you know that Caleb never lost sight of that mountain that God promised him? He said, I know one day my feet's going to be there. Why? Because God told me where your feet are, that will be yours. That'll be yours. Amen, that will be yours. Hallelujah. And so our inheritance has to be in us before we can be in it. How are we going to take this mountain? By faith. How does faith come? Faith come by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Amen. Hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. He showed up. He wasn't full of pride. Not at all. He just had a promise. And can I tell you, we need to be faithful with the promises that God has given us. We need to be faithful with the promises that God has given us. You see, there were ten men that were afraid to start. But can I tell you, there was one man that said, I'm going to finish I'm going to finish what they wouldn't start. So on a personal level, just a minute, we got to have faith with what God has called you and I to do. We've been called to be, and we're chosen as the last hour church. I've said this a lot. The Wigglesworths are dead. Wilkerson's passed on. B.H. Clendenin is passed on. But there's some Marcus Woods that's alive. There's some Mike Andersons that's alive. There's some Justin Ropers that's alive. There's some Seth Bryant that's alive. There's some Blairs that's alive. Amen. There's some Dominics that's alive. Amen. There's a Megan and a Troy. You're not going to throw the promise away that God gave you. You can't. You can't. God is about to renew and restore everything into a greater measure than you could ever think or imagine. And God will not, He will not waste anything that you've walked through. The Lord said there's purpose and power in full intention at what you're walking through right now. And it is to bring a greater harvest. For you'll receive a double <laughs> you'll receive double for what you think that you've lost. It's yours. Just say, give me the mountain. <laughs> Don't let fear sidetrack you. Don't give in to the voice and the lies of the enemy to say, I see giants. Let's just stop. I say to you today, rise up and say, give me this mountain. And you will receive double for every bit of pain that you've lost. Jesus, thank you. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You think about Caleb for 45 years. He had to have faith and he had to hold on to faith. I don't believe that as a church that we've even begun to scratch the surface of the desires that are in God's heart for you and I. I don't believe we've even scratched the surface. And that's why people say, follow your heart. I say, you better not do that. You better follow the heart of God. Because let me tell you, there's desires in God's heart that you can't even fathom what he has for you. He's not an angry God. He's a God that is long-suffering and that is patient. Brother Russell, are you playing? I don't know who's playing. But would y'all come? When Caleb showed up, he said, give me this mountain. 
And I don't believe that the faith that God is bringing us into, I believe that we need to stand before God today in this house and we need to say whatever our mountain is that stands before us, I believe that today is going to be a day that some of you is going to receive your mountain back. I believe some of you have been given promises and I believe some of you has discounted them promises because it's been too long. Some of you's even forgot, you've thought that God forgot about the promises that he made to you. But I can assure you today that God has not forgotten or forsaken what he spoke to you at any moment. I don't believe that we've even scratched the surface of what the Holy Ghost is going to use you to do in this hour. I don't believe that we've even scratched the surface. This brother Brian shared with us a miracle of this baby's heart today that a spot just completely fell off that baby. They said, I see what they saw, but there's nothing here now. I don't believe that we've even scratched the surface of the healing miracles that we're going to see in the house of God. Now listen to me. How are we going to get there? It's, it's not just going to be where you're just going to walk up there and, and oh, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. That, that ain't what I'm talking about. How are we going to get there? Twelve years. <laughs> Twelve years I've had an issue of blood. Twelve years I've had an issue of blood. I'm talking about moving the hand of God. I'm talking about moving Jesus and I'm talking about being moved to Jesus. I'm talking about life and I'm talking about reality. And I'm talking about revival. How is that going to come? Laying a nasty letter down on the altar and saying, God, I give you this letter just like Hezekiah did. I give you this letter and Lord, I'm just telling you, you deal with them. Amen. I'm talking about a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years that there was no hope in sight. She had spent all that she had. She had went to doctors. She had, spent, she had nothing left. Oh, but I hear Jesus is coming by. And if I could only touch the hem of his garment. And she just ran and she pushed her way through the crowd. I said this the other day. Don't you know there was blood all over that woman? Don't you know that whenever she began to push her way through the crowd, don't you know that she had, that the enemy was saying, but you're going to get your blood all over everybody. And she said, I don't care what I get on him as long as I can get his blood on me. I just have to get his blood on me today. I don't worry about my blood. I can't worry about my issues. I just need to get to the one that can heal my issue. I just got to get to the one that his blood can be poured on me. I'm talking about a father that don't know anything to do for a daughter that is sick. When Jairus moved Jesus to his home, he said, oh, my daughter's dead. I'm telling you, I'm talking about moving God. How are we going to see these healings? How are we going to see these miracles? It's whenever the church of God gets desperate again and we quit playing playing games with God and we quit playing games with the devil that we say like Caleb my mind's made up I'm going to take this mountain it might not be tomorrow and it might not be the next day but if I got to wait 45 years my God I'll wait 45 years but I'm not going to give in I'm not going to follow the crowd of 10 I don't care what the congregation says let the congregation believe the lies of hell I choose I choose to rise up and be a man with a different spirit. I choose, no matter what Joshua does, my God, he's old and stricken in years, but I heard what God said. There's more land to possess. How am I going to do it? With the grace of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm going to sow more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to be desperate. Why? I need God. I need him. I need him. I need him. Let me tell you, it's hard because hell hates faith. If y'all have not listened to Pastor Lee's message, listen to it. He said this in his message, the fight of faith. Is that what it is? Fight of faith. He's preached to faith is disturbing. He said in that message about Noah building the ark, he said it disturbed his own people and it disturbed every other people because people don't understand faith. When you build an ark, when it hadn't rained, people don't understand that. This church, people can't stand it. <laughs> they can't stand to see another mobile home pulled in. And maybe some of you can't. God knows. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> I, I, I said that because it's here. God knows. 
just because we don't understand. We don't understand what God does does not mean it's not the will of God. Just because you've never seen it rain don't mean rain isn't coming. <laughs> Amen. It may not make sense. Faith don't make sense. Amen. Faith don't make sense to me whatsoever. But faith disturbs people. When people drive by, not everybody likes what God does. <laughs> not everybody liked the fact that Noah was building a boat <laughs> bigger than what they could comprehend. Why would he build it that big? <laughs> Why would he put the window right there? Why is the door right there? Why is he using that kind of wood? Why is he using gopher wood? Why isn't he using oak wood? I, I think I could help him out a little bit. Why is he building a boat that big? Who plans on He's only got eight in his family. You mean that big old boat to put eight people on? What in the world? Faith disturbs people. Faith disturbs people. That woman with an issue of blood, with her blood everywhere, people, can you believe her blood just got on me? When the funeral procession players were sitting at the door of Jairus' house, when his daughter was dead on the inside, and when Jesus showed up, what did they begin to do? They began to mock at him and laugh him. They were playing funeral music. Why? Because she's dead till Jesus shows up. <laughs> Let me tell you, he shut the flute player down. <laughs> I said he shut the flute player down. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah. Old flute player had to quit playing once that baby come walking out. Amen. Flute player had to shut that flute up. Amen. You ain't playing that funeral music when Jesus shows up. There's a lot of flute players sitting at the door of the church, but I come to tell somebody. I come to serve notice on the devil at GFCC. You sit out there and play your flute if you want to, but Jesus done showed up today, and I showed up like Caleb, and I say to you, GFCC, we've not even scratched the surface yet, and I say like Caleb did, there's been a promise made to me. There's been a promise made to my children, and they may not be where God wants them to be right now. Your family may not be where God wants them to be right now, but I've been given a promise, and I'm holding on to the promises of God. I'm telling in your church, we may not be right where God wants us to be right now, but I've been giving us a promise. There's a church next door, but there's a seed that's been sown in the ground. That church will be up. How? Lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. That church will be built. What's the seed? The word of God. How does it come? By hearing. Hallelujah. I said, I've been given a promise, and I say, like Caleb, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. <laughs> give me my children. Troy and Megan, just tell God, give me my mountain. Give me my baby. Give me my baby. Devil, you're a liar. <laughs> just give it. <laughs> Whew. Give it. <laughs> give it. <laughs> Devil's a liar. <laughs> He's a liar. <laughs> I don't know when I would say this, but in the beginning of the series, the Lord told me it takes faith to start something, but it takes fight to finish something. Ah. It takes faith to ever stand on that start line. <laughs> and it takes faith to say, I'm going to start. I'm going to start, Chris. But I promise you, faith is going to wear out somewhere. Through. You just got to keep having faith that I'm going to be all right. Then that faith turns to fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, my ribs are hurting. I can't breathe. You got to have faith. That finish line's coming up. I don't see. I don't see where I'm finishing. I don't see it inside. I don't see it anywhere. I know it's there. I'm hurting. There's something on the inside of me that's fighting. Don't you stop now. Don't you stop now. But ten of them said we can't take it. I don't care what they say. You go. Because you're going to finish they was afraid to start oh but 45 years 10 years I don't see my mountain yet don't you know his faith got weak but then fight had to kick into his faith don't you stop 15 years I don't see it you know what I see just wandering around I'm mad I'm angry 15 years into it sister so I don't see it I'm angry today I'm angry had them 10 only listen to what I said Tired of 
And then grace steps into faith. Woo. If you can't find it, you can't have faith. But then grace comes. Ha. Come here. You're going to get grace. I can't go no more. But there's somebody that will. Woo. 15 more years. There's a mountain. Faith keeps walking. There's a mountain. There's a mountain. Oh, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Grace comes into faith and fight. You can't fight on your own. Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. <laughs> faith is a fight at times. Faith is a fight just to keep faith. It's a fight. But without the grace of God, none of us can do it. Without the body of Christ, none of us could do it. What is the importance? I'm not here taking role. I don't have to send anything who's here to anybody. But God knows. God knows. God knows who's here. God knows why we're here. God knows what we're here for. It's not about how many. It's about the quality of why we're here. What we do. Today, God said, give me back my mountain. Why do you think the devil wanted to kill you this week? Because you're fixing to take possession of a mountain, Blair. You've never known. <laughs> You've never known. The enemy's tried to sidetrack you. But I see him pulling you back in. <laughs> I see him. I done seen that white truck over at this church property about two times in the last two months. <laughs> That's what he does. He reels people back in. And whenever he sees that, what does the enemy do? He says, I better get in there real quick. I better get in there real quick. Don't you know over 45 years of taking possession of his mountain, how many times the devil tried to sneak in there and say, who do you think you are? You're going to keep trusting the God that said you're going to take this mountain. You're going to trust that God. You ain't seen it in 45 years. You really going to trust that God? You're going to trust a God, Troy? You're going to trust God? Didn't he take, my, didn't he take this baby? You, you no, know, you know the devil's intentions are get angry. Oh, but God, but God, we'll fight. We'll fight. There's a mountain to take. Church, you hear me? There's a mountain to take. There's a mountain to take. Listen to this. Our fight is a fight to possess what is already mine. I'm going to say that again. I said our fight is a fight to possess what already is mine. I don't say nothing else. I hope you take that home with you. The, the fight that you're fighting today is just to get what's already yours. Amen. Amen. It's already yours. Just fight for it. Say, it's my mountain. It may be a long time, but it's my mountain. And I'm going to get it. You can stand. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Listen. Joshua, I mean, Caleb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Caleb said in Joshua 15, 13. And unto Caleb, the son of Jebunah, he gave a part of the children of Judah. Verse 14, and Caleb drove from there the three sons of Anak. Caleb's name means dog. How do you think he drove them three giants out? <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to walk in what God's called you to walk in. <laughs> I said, sometimes you just have to walk in the fullness of what God's called you to walk on. I came up to Lee and David's house yesterday, and that little old dog of theirs come around there at my car and put me right back in my car. <laughs> I'm scared of dogs. I don't care how little they are. I thought Mr. Fred was going to attack me the other day. He gets right to my ankles, and I wanted to walk away. Carly called him off. He ain't but that big. How many of y'all like being dog bit? Them three giants knew 
There was a dog. There's a dog that showed up to this mountain. Why did he show up? He come to take what was his back. He come to take what was his back. Can I tell you the word of God says in the New Testament that the violent take it by force? We got to quit playing footsies with the promises that God's gave us. We got to quit giving access to the devil and say, well, it's been 45 years. You just take it. No, it's yours. And this morning, I want to tell you, church, I believe God's calling us to this altar not only to kill something, but to partake of it. Because if you just kill it, you'll constantly look at it. But if we'll kill it, clean it, and eat it, what was theirs now on the inside of me? And I'm telling you, there's a full possession that God wants us to take. There's a full possession, John Wayne, that God is calling us to take. Every head bowed and eye closed this morning. If you're here and you've played church, you've played religion, you know you have, you've done good at it. You've seen miracle after miracle after miracle in your life and in front of you and around you and beside you. But you know that you know that you know that your heart is not 110% sold out to God. Caleb was 110% sold out to the Lord. If not, he would have been swayed by the ten. But he had a different spirit. If you're here today and you say, I, I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I need help. I need the Lord. Don't mean you're going to be perfect. But God will help you. Would you just slip your hand up if that's you, if there's anybody here today that you're unsure. You just want to know that you know that you know that you're right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any others? If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, there's some promises that God has made me, but I've become weary and I need to fight. I need to fight. I've lost my fight. I've lost my faith. And you're here this morning, you'd say, I'm ready to say in the face of the giants, give me back my mountain. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Give me back my mountain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All these hands that went up, I just want to invite you somewhere in these altars. Lucas, why don't you just come down here and let us pray for you. Just repent. Surrender your life to the Lord. You've been entrusted with a lot, brother. Precious life. Precious life. Come on, church. Get aggressive this morning in this house. I mean, get aggressive like the woman with the issue of blood. Get aggressive like blind Bartimaeus as they tried to steal him, shut him up. He cried all the louder. Hallelujah. The violent take it by force. Thank you, Jesus.